Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Digitally Remastered with your boy, Digital Master. Welcome aboard to another episode. And I want to thank you all who listened to the first episode or watched the first episode. I really appreciate you. It was an actual good turnout, I'll say, as far as uh, view counts and, you know, it's still being watched. And so I want to say it or listen to. <laughs> I keep saying watch because I released these on YouTube primarily, but uh, many more locations where you can actually listen to this podcast just so that you know, and I'll go over that in a, in a brief moment here. But today I want to talk about alpha 3.21.1 or alpha 3.21.1. We're also going to talk about new updates as part of that, which includes Siege of Orison 2.0. I want to dive into a little bit of what that will be, what those changes will be. And then I also want to talk more about IAE preparation and details. There's some information that you may want to know. And in general, just conversation about what's going on with Star Citizen right now. We're going to try to fit this all in an hour. Uh, so let's get right into it. But again, before I start, I want to again thank you all for listening to the first podcast. Very exciting. I'm happy to be doing this. And again, I just love talking Star Citizen. So. What I do want to share with you is that there's other locations to listen to this podcast. So primarily this is on YouTube, but it's also I, I have an RSS feed. And the podcast, you can actually listen on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung, Pandora, iHeartRadio and more. I'll put a list up on the YouTube video because that's obviously a video. So if you want to see you know, because I actually have some visuals that I share during the podcast here. So those will be represented there. Other than that, um, what I should say, that's the primary place to communicate with me for now. I'm actually in, or adding more options as we go. So please stay in, stay tuned for that uh, for sure. But again, thank you. And we're going to jump right into the content here today. I hope your day is going well. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you all. So let's jump right into the content for today. And we'll start with Alpha 3.21.1. And in the live environment, for those of you that don't know, I also want to make sure that I don't forget the audience and the different types of individuals that may be listening. I don't want to always speak as if though you know all the terminology or you know all the uh, the details, the in and outs of being a star citizen backer, <laughs> it, that can be an easy thing to do, to overlook. So I want to make sure that I don't do that. And I definitely want to make sure I address everyone and don't assume you have a certain level of knowledge of the game or again, of that terminology that we often use and have come so uh, used to using and understanding. So let me start that again. Alpha 3.21.1, which is the current patch version in the PTU. And the PTU is the per, uh, private test universe. It's pretty much the test universe of the test universe, <laughs> if you will. Star Citizen is still in alpha phase as far as the MMO version of the game, right? But we're moving into beta. I firmly believe that. And I think 2024 is going to be the year that is the transition into beta from alpha. So with that said, we have the live environment, which is pretty much the main environment where most people typically log in to play the game. And it's supposed to be the least buggy version of the build or of the game. And you'll get it. <laughs> I don't know why this, this tickles me so much, but you'll, you'll get different opinions about that in general. But just for the, you know educating you on what these different environments are. The live environment is the main environment. Anyone who signs up to the game, in fact, if you're a new backer, that's the only environment you will typically see when you download the client and load up the game for the first time. It will be the live environment. Oh, there's also the private test uh, universe, PTU. And that's pretty much where they test the next release of the game before it's actually released to live. And then there's some other ones, too, that I just want to make sure that you're aware for those that don't know. We have the EPTU, which, as far as I know, the E stands for Experimental Private Test Universe. 
Um, some think it means Ivacati as well, but the Ivacati, and I'll just briefly touch this, they, they are the bravest of the brave when it comes to testing Star Citizen because they have to sign an NDA for one. And they typically, at least historically, it's been this way. I don't know if it's changing. I think pretty much it's, things are changing slightly. I just don't know how much yet. But the Ivacati are the members who test like the like the second a new patch gets entered into the testing phase period, it goes to the Evocati. And they have to sign an NDA so that they, you know, no leaks and things like that, which doesn't always work. <laughs> That's another discussion for the day. But they have to sign that NDA. And then they have to test a game that's probably in its most broken state. And it, it, there's no probably about it. It it those builds that the Evocati test are the most broken builds you've ever seen in your life. You think you felt pain before. There's more levels to the pain. <laughs> I've spoke, I'm not Evocati myself, uh, just full disclosure there, but I know people, some people who are. And the, the, the consistent theme is, you know, it, it can be painful. But, you know, when you go in understanding what you're getting into, it makes everything a little bit easier, a little bit easier. <laughs> so there's that. All of, all of that to say, let me just continue on then. So we have the EPTU, experimental, that's the word I'm going to call it, the experimental private test universe. And I won't go too much more into that, but sometimes you'll get a release on that. And I've actually been in the EPTU this cycle, this patch cycle. And now they've moved 3.20. So first of all, 3.21.1 was initially moved to, to um, of course, went through Evocati, and then it hit the EPTU. And I was invited to that. There's no NDA for that environment, the EPTU. Now the 3.21.1 is in PTU. And that's where it is currently right now. And finally, as far as the environments, builds of Star Citizen go, we have the tech preview. So that is 100% designed to be the environment where the technology, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, the technology that is the foundation of the game will be tested. So with the tech preview, that's where the pyro playtest was. The only place it was. And now that's over, by the way. That ended on the 10th. But I think it's just temporary. I think it will come back in what capacity, I do not know. But I know it will uh, come back one way or another. But the next thing that I, it, it, and we're going to actually get into this as we continue to talk about Alpha 3.21.1. But let's just go ahead and start the conversation about what things are currently in the live build versus content from the 3.21. And I should say 3.21 to be fair. So when we talk about the patch versions, we have, you know, the three dots, right? So 3.21, 3.22, which will come at the end of the year, supposed to come at the end of the year. But then those patch cycles have their own um, branches, if you will. So you have the 3.21, which was the initial release of, as you can imagine, 3.21. But... Then there's the 3.21.1, which is the subsequent patch, which has more of the content that didn't make it into the initial release of that patch cycle. So for the 3.21 patch cycle, we have the initial 3.21, and then now we have the 3.21.1. Will will there be a 3.21.2? I doubt it. I think we're going directly to 3.21, I'm sorry, 3.22. So the context around this conversation is what's currently in, in the live build and what's yet to hit live build. And these are the things that are pretty much in 3.21.1, the things that are not yet in the live build. In live right now is 3.21.0, just to be clear and just to make sure that that picture is painted clearly. 3.21.0 is in the live build. and 3.21.1 is in the PTU. So let's talk about what we have 
in 3.21.0 in the live build of the game. And that will be the new Crusader platforms, which is essentially the platform section of not even really the full platform section, but pretty much a bunker type or a bunker style mission for those of you who run bunkers in the game. A bunker style mission in Orson, pretty much on the platforms. Those have those were released before, but CIG had to make some changes to pretty much allow the Siege of Orson event to run at the same time as other players who may want to keep doing those Crusader platform bunker quote unquote missions. And so now that's possible. And it's already in the live branch of the game. Those missions are fun. They're pretty fun. They're pretty short, but they're fun. We also have the retrieve consignment missions. That's currently in the live build. And in these missions, it still utilizes the bonkers, but there's this dispenser unit that you have to, first of all, you have to clear the bunker and then you get the code, get a code. I think it's a lieutenant that you have to down and you get this code and you unlock the panel. It's like a little panel that you have to enter the code into. And then you get these consignment boxes that you have to return to the mission giver. And the thing about that is it's pretty multifaceted in the sense that, you know, you almost want to make sure you're running that one with more than one person because the enemies respawn in this mission. And if you ever run a bunker mission, typically you, 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 you fly to the bunker, you go down, you kill all the enemies, which typically amounts up to 10 of them. And then you're clear. The bunker is finished. You can loot to your heart's content. No worries, no cares. And obviously you can do that very easily as a solo player. The consignment mission, on the other hand, and there's other missions too that sort of employ this same respawn mechanic. But for the consignment missions, you go into the bunker, you clear the bunker, get the code, enter the code. You start to get these boxes one at a time, by the way. And there's normally more than one. But all the while, there's enemies respawning in the elevators. Coming to, you know, correct the situation. (laughs) That makes it challenging for the player because you have to carry the boxes. Even if you're using a multi-tool. That can be challenging unless you're really quick with swapping out, right? Um, Between the multi-two back to your gun. Which is very doable. To be fair, it's very doable. But CIG just released, which is not really in the patch, but it's in the patch notes, but it's not really in the release page of the patch um, roadmap for the roadmap. The new Squadron 42 AI has been added to the game. To be fair, that's in 3.21.1. So I'm saying this to say that very soon the challenge of that mission will increase a bit. The, 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 real, the reality of the situation, though, is no matter how many improvements they make to the AI, the server tick rate, which is pretty much the update or the refresh rate on the VM, where you where the game is hosted, right? It's it's very low for Star Citizen and due to the fact that there's a lot of content on one server. The entirety of Stanton is pretty much simulated on one server. And I, we can get into details on that, but that's another podcast on how the technology of Star Citizen works based on the things that we know. And I'd actually love to do a podcast about, let me know your thoughts if you're interested in something like that. But the server tick rate on these VMs make it practically impossible for the AI to behave at their full potential. 
the truth is, if you watch the Squadron 42, I held the line video or trailer, I call it. You can see that the AI is very good, very good. And I am so excited about facing the, the AI in this game because they're using a combination of things. You know, if you paid very close attention during CitizenCon, what they're doing or what they have done, and this goes for pretty much all the AI or the NPCs in the game. And I, I don't know if I have an official quote on this, but it sounds like they're using machine learning. And it sounds like they're even going to be incorporating some AI uh, into the game, into the way that they build the intelligence of the NPCs. I think in the, uh, I forgot the name of the panel, but the one with Yogi Clat. They really went into a lot of detail about the AI and how the NPCs, how their logic works pretty much. I mean, of course, they didn't go into super detail, but what you walked away understanding is that it's learning from players. It's learning from players. So there's some machine learning involved here. Like they, you know, they're taking the data from players' input, right? As we play the game, it seems like they're taking that data and they're feeding it into a machine learning algorithm to teach the AI how to combat, <laughs> how to fly, how to maneuver, how to even strategize, like the, the, the different strategies. I, I, I believe firmly, but even when they talk about the NPCs on foot, right? We already know that they have a very elaborate system designed for the AI. Even before we even talk about the machine learning part of it. And again, I don't know that the same thing is happening at the on, on the with the NPCs on foot. I, I have no idea, but my guess is that it is true. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I'm in technology. As part of this podcast, I, you know, I, I will be introducing myself to you as well. You get to know me um, and hopefully you interact and communicate. I, I do have a plan to maybe even create a Discord channel that you can actually interact with me as well. I don't want to just be one sided for sure. I'd love to have conversations with you all. So. I'm in technology, I work in technology, I have a nine to five or career in technology as we speak today and i love my job <laughs> absolutely love my job i don't know you know it, it depends on how if this ever gets big enough you know maybe but i have no desire to end my my career at this point i'm really having a good time with it but it's in technology it's in the technology space and i love technology so when i hear things about machine learning being utilized or ai being introduced and I know that's a topic for another day as far as the, the uh, ethics surrounding AI or the ethical concerns surrounding AI. And I think that's another good conversation. It does fit with games, too. Um, and I think we can actually incorporate that in some way. But as it pertains to that, it's exciting. It's exciting to know that Star Citizen, like CIG, really loves to stay close to the cutting edge. If not exactly on the cutting edge and i really believe in my heart that a lot of what cig does is on the cutting edge and i love them for that i love them for that and i think it's a wonderful thing you have to always push the boundaries there's a place for complacency there's a place for the status quo but then there's absolutely a necessity to keep pushing forward and i appreciate cig for those efforts with this game. And that's to read, that's one of the major draws to, for me when it comes to Star Citizen. The game is pushing everything. It's pushing everything. And I appreciate, the, I appreciate it for that. But let's continue. So we have the retrieve consignment missions. We have the steal evidence missions that are currently in 3.21.0. We also have the Crusader Spirit A1. That's the ship, the new Crusader ship. Uh, series is the A1, C1, and um, E1, I believe it is, 
But right now in 3.21.0, we only have the A1, which is a bomber variant. Nice ship. Very nice ship. I have one myself. But I'm more into the C1 due to the due to the fact that it has more utility at the moment. Right. We, you know, we really don't have much to do with bombs at the present time in the game. It's not any real missions tied to it. It's not much game content unless it's unless it's dynamic content or emergent content. Right. That's the only real way that you get the most out of the A1 at this point. But continuing and on, continuing on, we have the Drake Cutter Scout, which is also in 3.21. And you can fly that today. It's a nice ship. And then again, it's pretty much the exploration variant of that ship. It is, a, I guess you want to call it a starter ship. It's a Drake starter ship. I think it's a bit more than a starter ship based on its utility, but it's, for all intents and purposes, there's that phrase again. Um, it's a starter ship. And that's in 3.21.0 right now. So that's what's in the game in the live build right now. So what's yet to come? What's still tentative? This is the things that I know personally is in 3.21.1. And then we also talk about the things that are not in 3.21.1, which lends itself to an interesting discussion at the end of this. So what we have right now is the vehicle tractor beams, which is fun. And all, almost all the ships, I, I believe all of the ships that have a tractor beam have it in 3.21.1. I've sort of tested this. And in fact, on this very same channel, I put a, it's, it, the video can be better, to be fair. Um, I almost want to delete the video. <laughs> but it's a, a very quick video that showcases all the ships that have the tractor beam attachment. So check it out. Um, it's funny because when I do all my videos, I'll, I'll watch them. And the thing is, I want to, I'm still refining my process in the sense of my review process. So I'll look at my videos and there's always something I feel I can do better by the time I release it. And it's like, okay, you can't hold it forever. But this video, I almost feel like, okay, there was too many things I could have did better. <laughs> but check it out. Check it out when you get a chance. Uh, but we do have the vehicle tractor beams that are coming in 3.21.1. We also ship trespass. That's in. It's in 3.21.1, but when you look on the roadmap, it's not yet committed. However, today, today is Wednesday. No, today is Tuesday. I think tomorrow we get the roadmap. Today is Tuesday. Uh, see, my days are mixed up. I'm recording this on the Tuesday, uh, the 14th. Yeah. Tomorrow we get the roadmap, which I believe will show that as committed. I could be terribly wrong, but I have to believe it because it's literally in 3.21.1. So I expect it to be released in this next build. We also have the data heist missions, and that's a more elaborate mission as well, which it requires a group. Um, this is in 3.21.1. And pretty much as it sounds, you're you know, it's a data heist mission. I have not tested this one yet personally, so I don't have much to say about it, but it does seem like it's a lot of fun. And based on what I've heard, it, it is a lot of fun. But again, it's definitely a mission you probably definitely want to do with a friend. We also have the Crusader Spirit C1 in 3.21.1, which is a wonderful ship. On my main channel, and I forgot to plug this at the beginning of the podcast, but on my main YouTube channel, which is Digital Master Gaming, uh, check it out, subscribe. <laughs> I have a review video for that. Um, it's up right now. Go check that video out if you're interested in the Crusader C1, Spirit C1, or Crusader. Yeah, that's the way you're supposed to say it. Crusader Spirit C1. It's not Crusader C1 Spirit, as I say a lot in the video but anyway it's a crusader spirit c1 and it's a wonderful ship won't speak much about it because i have a review video video up for it so go check that out when you get a chance if interested also the tumbra storm 
Now that just released last night and I have yet to load into the game since yesterday or the day before yesterday. So I have not seen the Turnbull Storm myself, but I did catch a video this morning of that ship or, or, or tank. It's not a ship, it's a tank, a vehicle. And it looks nice. It looks very nice. I plan to check it out sometime today. So that should be coming in 3.21.1 as well. But we also have the Argo SRV, which ties back into the vehicle tractor beams. But this thing is on another level. It's designed to um, pull ships. So it's like a, um, what's the name of the, a, a tow. It's a tow ship. You can tow vehicles. And in many cases, vehicles much larger than the SRV. <laughs> but it's a very fun ship. And it looks pretty cool. Quite cozy too. If you if you've been in one, it's 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 tight in there, but it's very nice. It's like a little trailer home type thing. <laughs> Look up videos for it. I, I don't have a video. Interesting thing for me is I have that ship on an alternative account. So and that alternative account does not have PTU access. At least not at the waves that um <laughs> it's funny as I speak about this. I think we're on wave five anyway, so I should be able to go test it out personally myself. But there was people there were people when I did uh, when I was testing this earlier that allowed me to take a look at it. So it was really cool. And I think it's a nice ship. And depending on the size of your fleet or how you play Star Citizen, if you're playing in a group or playing with friends or you know, big or small, I think is a very good ship to have in your fleet. Because God knows there's gonna be moments where <laughs> one of your ships is stranded maybe but to have a ship like that prepared and ready to go is i think it's going to be pretty essential okay so let's get on to the thing or pretty much one thing right now that is not committed and then i'm not sure how they're going to introduce this one it's the replication layer split and this is a good um, point to, to really dig in a little bit into this whole replicator, replication layer split thing. For those that don't know what the replication layer is, is a part of the technology, the underlying technology for Star Citizen, the MMO that's going to allow it to scale. I'm going to keep this as non-technical as possible. I don't want to turn this into a technical podcast. <laughs> But to sort of layman's terms, term, layman's terms it, I've just made that term up. Um, I'll say it like this. The replication layer, as far as the whole architecture underneath the game is concerned, is pretty much the glue that's going to pull everything and hold everything together. That's the way you should probably look at the replication layer. And right now, in the current build of the game, and as it has been for a very long time, the replication layer is, a, is pretty much a component or a service as part of the overall architecture for server meshing and just pretty much the game itself. Let's just keep it simple. It's already there. It's just running on the same server as the game as the game logic and simulation i should say as the game simulation so they're running on the same machine so as you can imagine you know as i was just talking about the server tick rate that's a big factor into it right because when you dealing with vms anyone who knows anything about technology and vms Everything you run on that VM is sharing the resources of that VM, that CPU, that's disk space, that's memory, that's that's network throughput, right? All the egress and ingress, that's all being shared on that one machine. So as you can imagine, that makes things quite interesting. But here's the interesting part, the more interesting part, I, I probably should say, is that the replication layer is designed as a relay, essentially. It's a relay service. 
for all intents and purposes. <laughs> Again, I'm using that word. It's a, it's a relay service of sorts. So you really don't want it coupled with your game simulation, especially for what Star Citizen is supposed to be, right? Because we want to eventually scale magnitudes greater than what the game currently is or where the game currently is. So in order to do that, you have to split that replication layer off of the same server as the simulation. So you're so you're pretty much decoupling it and isolating it on its own VM or scale set, if you will. And that is the quintessential or the most important next step toward server meshing. Because once you pull the replication layer or separate the replication layer from the same server as the game simulation, now, here's the first benefit of it, of it all. Now the game server or the game simulation has less competition for resources, right? So where we now have Stanton loaded onto one virtual machine, we can also have Pyro loaded onto another virtual machine, right? And then, because the replication layer is now split from both of those, and we'll talk more about what the replication layer actually does, now we can actually start to mesh servers, right? Because server meshing is as it sounds. You're meshing servers together. You're having multiple servers work together at the same time to give you the game Star Citizen. I always try to explain it in the most simplest of, of ter- simplest of terms. And I actually have a video up about it uh, that I created a year or two ago. I still think it's a very relevant video. Of course, the inner workings of it all can be very different. I do a lot of speculating in that video, so I don't claim to have the most accuracy but the general theme and idea of the architecture i believe is very 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 um accurate so check that out that's on my main channel as well so right now we have the replication layer connected to the same server as the simulation that's going to be split the thing is this is listed as a feature of 3.21.1. And that's where I'm sort of scratching my head a bit because one, it's not committed. But two, my understanding was that it was going to be tested on the tech preview environment. And I'm not sure anymore because we have 3.21.1 and the PTU. So my thought here is that maybe there will be a 3.21.2. I don't know, but it's almost the only thing that makes sense to me because unless they move, the replication layer split to 3.22. Or maybe they just will test it on the tech preview and then implement it because it is technology. It's not really, I don't want to call it a feature of the actual build. It's, an, it's a technology or it's an actual uh, architectural design things so i don't really know that we can we should think about it as being welded to 3.21.1 but um we'll see we'll absolutely see we'll see where that goes but nonetheless that is a big deal that replication layer split is an absolute big deal because that will usher in True server meshing and the server meshing, the initial server meshing that we're going to get it. And this is purely my guess, but it makes the most sense is we're going to have the replication layer split and then we're going to have Stanton on one server and we're going to have Pyro on another. And that's going to allow us to travel from Stanton to Pyro. That will be our first iteration of server meshing. I think they're going to take their time, which is good. I think they're going to take it baby steps on this one. And, but I think it will function like a wine glass, right? Where it starts small, but then it just balloons eventually. And pretty quickly. But we'll see. We'll see. 
We'll absolutely see. But I'm going to save a lot of that conversation for a different podcast. On to the last thing that's part of 3.21.1, which I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, is Siege of Orson 2.0. I call it 2.0. I think they just call it. Uh, in fact, they do have a name for it. Uh, or what they call it is Siege of Orson Global Event Reactivation. I call it 2.0. But there's some very interesting things. Is this where we're going to segue actually to our next segment, which is the Siege of Orson 2.0? And I really want to focus a bit on the events in general, the in-game events in general, just real briefly. I, I think CAG has done a general great job at building these events. Um, I think everybody have their favorites, depending on your playstyle. You know, if you're more of a PvP person, then I'm sure you have Jumptown high up on your list, probably, right? Or maybe Xenothreat, because that does lend itself naturally to PvP gameplay. And then you have Siege of Orison, which is primarily a PvE event. But because Star Citizen is Star Citizen, anything can have PvP, truthfully. And Siege of Orson is really no different. So we have a range of events and some more refactored events coming very soon. Like, for example, the Nine Tails lockdown is completely changed now. And I forgot the name they gave it, uh, that they're giving it going forward, but it's going to change dramatically and it's going to be more focused on the, um, well, I guess, the new cargo cargo updates are going to really factor into it a lot more. And so we'll talk about that one as it comes closer. But in general, these events are really fun events. And my two personal favorite is, in fact, Siege of Orison and Xenothreat. Or Xenothreat. Xenothreat used to be the king for me. It used to be the king event for me out of all the events that we have, which is really not a ton, to be fair. I think max events that we have is four, maybe five. Jump Town, previously Nine Tails Lockdown, Xenothreat, and Siege of Orson. I might be missing one. But Xenothreat, before Siege of Orson came out, Xenothreat was easily my, my favorite. It was easily my favorite. And to this day, it's still, in my opinion, tied or slightly under Siege of Orson. But Siege of Orson is my absolute favorite, I'll say, because, you know, I like space combat. I do. I, I like being in my ship. Maybe it's more of a function of just the relief that we got an event that focused so much on the ground or the on-foot combat or gameplay mechanics, right? Because to me, Siege of Orison really, really, really it, it amplified the medical gameplay or medical features that they added to the game. Because before Siege of Orison, they did add all the medical things, right? With the med pens and the, and the med guns and, you know, all that. And, and, the, and the actor states, right? When you're injured or you have um, the different injuries, the head injuries, the, 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 the torso injuries, the arm injuries, the leg injuries. And then the different drugs that can treat the symptom or then the beds that you can get into, right, with the hospitals and clinics and some ships that you can use to heal different level or different tier, tiered in, in, injuries. So before Siege of Orison, you know, there was limited interaction with that system, right? You, 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 you were rarely injured, especially if you were good with a gun in the game. Or, you know, if you just did your normal missions, rarely would you interact or need to heal yourself, or at least not elaborately, right? You wouldn't have to get into the different medicines or the different meds. And then you really would only go to the hospital if you died. But with Siege of Orson, it introduced or really just heightened or, you know, amplified the medical gameplay, because the second you go to that mission, you're going to get shot. <laughs> I mean, unless you're not engaging, right? And you're playing behind the front lines, and if you will, 
then you know maybe but if you if you if you're jumping the platforms if you're going from platform to platform to platform to platform whether with a group or not there is a high chance you're going to take damage and when you do it typically can lead to an injury or more importantly as you go from platform to platform that's just more exposure to get worse and worse injuries and so you find yourself playing Siege of Orison and you're getting injured. And sometimes if you're like me, you break away from the pack sometimes and then you get injured. And now you realize not only do you feel that feeling of isolation and that survival aspect of the game, but you have to, you find yourself trying to find which building has the med bed. Or if you brought your med gun with you, which please do, you're trying to find which medicine you can use to suppress the symptoms that you're facing. Because if you get a head injury bad enough, your vision is impaired. If you get a chest injury bad enough, your endurance suffers. You can't run for as long or you can't run at all. And if you get a leg injury, you're limping. You definitely can't run, right? And if you get an arm injury, you can't shoot your gun properly. Trying to steady your gun becomes very difficult. But then you have the med gun or the med pins that can treat those symptoms, give you more time to get to a bed before they wear off to reset yourself. That event, the Siege of Orson event, truly heightened and amplified the medical gameplay in the actor state system in Star Citizen. And the game was infinitely better for it, in my opinion. And then it just creates all these different scenarios and situations that are both engaging, dynamic, emergent, that are, it, it, it just makes the event an amazing event. And then the different checkpoints, and not so much checkpoints, but the different mission objectives are very interesting. They're very interesting in the way the mission plays out and then the way it culminates. It's very, very interesting. And so it's my favorite mission. It's it's my favorite event in the game for that reason alone. Like you wouldn't come across a lot of that in Xenothreat, right? The thing is with Xenothreat, it's a lot of fun the different, you know, the big space battles. That that's the highlight for me when you start to fight the Idrises or the Idrises alongside the Javelin. That's very cinematic for me, and I think it's a wonderful, fun event. And then the fact that you have the three stages, and then you, and then there's also the cargo uh, aspect of that mission, having to restock Jericho, right? While you have Pirates and what have you, well, Xenothreat coming after you at every turn. So there's a lot of pull to work with other people to find success. And I think that is the recipe for success with Star with anything you do in Star Citizen, any event in Star Citizen, I'll say. So I'm very excited about Orison Siege of Orison 2.0. But here's the thing: it just got more interesting. And I'm going to tell you how, because anyone who's played the played it before, you know, there were certain pain points about the experience. And I'm just going to read through a few things just to let you know what is coming so that you can be prepared. So to begin, there is a change to the very beginning of the event. And that all has to do with the initiation of the event. So Dooley, which is the in-game NPC that actually gives you the mission. She still gives you the mission, but she first sends her calm to let you know something is going down. And once she does that, there is a 30 minute countdown before the start of the event. Let's talk about how cool that actually is. And I tested this in 3.21.1 because they did a few runs of it. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and that experience. So what I immediately realized is that all this time we've been doing this and it 
doesn't really make it easy for bigger groups or groups in general to really have time to build up unless you already know it's coming. Like you're paying attention to the you know spectrum or the or maybe Twitter. I don't know. Whenever wherever CIG mentions, hey, we're we're gonna be running Siege of Orson. But for those of you who may not be that, you know, in tune, if you will, to all the updates of Star Citizen, when you let's say you're just playing Star Citizen one day and now you get you you hear the mission come across the comm. If you are one who likes to experience the entire event or like to be a part of the beginning of the event, you're pretty much SOL because you already know, especially the way the event current used to be, people are already on the on the on the on the tram. <laughs> They're already clearing Solanke, the first platform, probably already cleared the second platform. And you have a bunch of other people who are running straight to the admin center, which is the end of the mission, to finish everything. And by the time you even get to Crusader, the mission is over, right? <laughs> well, this changes that slightly. And, I'm, and I have good news for you. There's more changes that actually prevent that from happening now as well. But this 30-minute timer gives you and your friends a chance to get organized. And that's the first thing that jumped out to me. I, I'm in this server. First of all, you know, a lot of us chat in the testing chat on Spectrum. Because I'm very active with the testing of Star Citizen. I'm very active and very involved with Star Citizen. So I am actively in that testing chat, especially when there's new updates about to come out. So we're pretty much ready to test, right? I'm, I'm, I know what's coming, you know. Uh, Wikipedia is on there letting everyone know, hey, we, you know, we're going to test Siege of Orison. And that comes in the patch notes. And then we're ready. We get into the game. We see this happen. This is exactly what we're talking about. This is a godsend because it gives us a chance to prepare. It gives us a chance to get our meds. It gives your friend a chance who's in Microtech to fly over to Crusader. You have 30 minutes now to prepare for the start of the event. So now you can get your, like I said, you can get your meds. You can get the right armor that you want. You can get the guns that you want. And all the ammo that you need. The silencers. The food, drinks, you can get all that and be prepared and then find your way to the Crusader building and just wait at the elevator because that's the other change. During this 30 minute period, you cannot get to the roof. So there's no crowding the, the, um, the shuttle. So you have time now. You have a chance to breathe before the mission actually starts. And I think that's a wonderful addition. Hats off to CIG for adding that one. And so another change that was introduced now is the trams between platforms. At least the ones that actually have them, right? When you're traveling from Solanke to Brushwood or Brushwood to Hartmore. Hope I got that in the right order. Um, you need a lieutenant code now to actually activate that. Previously, this was not the case. You just simply, once you killed the lieutenant, I think, it, I believe it was automatic. But this is good because typically, you know, I think it solves that problem of leapfrogging where you have the group that killed the lieutenant. You know, let's say you're part of a group and, you know, you guys are killing the uh, lieutenant, but you have people who are just running straight to the trams to front run you. And it's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that there's a problem with that, but to me, it just gives better flow to the event overall. And I think that's another welcome event, but now you have to get the lieutenant's code at each platform to unlock the relevant shuttle so that you can take the shuttle to the next platform. And now here's another big one. Here's another huge one. The barge, which is on the admin center, has now has a container that will prevent people from pushing into the barge beyond the first room. Now, why is that important? Now, I, I alluded to this earlier, but with this event, people have learned. And I've done this myself, to be fair. And again, I'm not shaming anyone. There's nothing wrong with doing that when the game allowed you to do it. But what you would see very often with the Siege of Orson event is people rushing 
to the admin center or the admin platform, I'm sorry, to complete the mission. So there will be sessions where you just arrived at Solanke, or let's say you killed the first lieutenant on Solanke platform and you move to Brushwood and someone's already killed the final boss. The thing is, you still can't officially complete the entire event until all the lieutenants are dead. But it kind of sucks when you're taking the mission one platform at a time in hopes of that build up to the last lieutenant. But once you kill the Brushmore, pla uh, Brushmore platform lieutenant, now all the lieutenants are dead. And it's like, okay, that's anticlimactic, right? Again, no shame on the people that did that. It, it was something that was allowed. So you just play the game as you play the game or do what you want to do, right? But I think it's a wonderful thing that CIG is now preventing this. This means you have to go through each other platform first before you get to the... You can still probably go to the admin platform, but you can't get far. You can't progress past a certain point, which includes getting to the lieutenants on that platform. I think that's a godsend addition. It's a god send addition because it gives everybody a chance to participate because everybody plays the game at a different pace and you know and that and again that's why it's fair I, I don't shame i don't blame anyone for that but it gives everyone a chance cig has introduced mechanics to control the flow of the event and you know what that's a beautiful thing and again, I, I will stay away from shaming people for doing the things that they like to do. You know, I will. I do have something to say about people who purposely, you know. Ruin the fun for other people. Right. I, I do have my concerns about that. But, you know, because the game let you do it, I can't shame you for it. I just can't. But I'm so glad that they introduced this change. So here's another change. I'm going to read this one out loud. Well, actually, there's another one that you probably want to know, too. So let me just read a few of these, a few more of these. I don't want to really skip much here. If you take a seed ship, one of the ships that's, that are on the platform, out of the area while the event is active, there is a self-destruct that will trigger that you, the player, can't turn off. So don't try to take these ships away from the event. So, let me read a few more. Once the IFFI, which is the, you know, the um, converter that, you know, has the platform shooting at you versus, you know, the Ninetales. Once that is, uh, once the one on the barge is down, players will be free to take the ships as the self-destruct will be disabled. So that's another detail that is added to that self-destruct mechanism and if you try to take your ship into the area you'll be impounded so there's quite a few changes and there's even a few more so here this one if a player commits a crime or attacks another player on the mission they will get a marker placed on them and players still in the mission will be allowed to kill them. And so with this, you will see an objective to do with Ninetales sympathizers and how many have been killed. So what this does is such a beautiful addition. This is another big one. So previously, if someone shot you you know, while you're doing the event, another player shot you and you shoot them back, you get a crime stat. Unless they've already been marked as an, uh, a criminal, right? Because the way the game works right now, if someone shoots you and they're not already a criminal and you shoot back, you get a crime stat. I believe that's still the way it works. Correct me if I'm wrong, any of you veterans out there. That's the way it still works. But in this event, that's not the case. If they shoot you, they instantly become a criminal 
or at least they instantly become marked as a, a nine tail sympathizer in their free game. You can you can return fire with peace. <laughs> so that's another godsend change to this event. But you will only see the markers for sympathizers on the same island as you. But the fact that you can see them is wonderful. So when you kill the island lieutenant, this is another change that is another godsend. When you kill the island lieutenant and loot the code, you will get a marker on potential IFFI locations, which is also helpful because previously you would have to literally scour the entire platform to find the right box. But I'm guessing that for just to find boxes, period. But I'm guessing that this just simply allows you to quick, more quickly identify the boxes. Not so much identify which one has the IFFI, but identify the boxes in general, where they are, so that you can know, okay, we check this one, let's go check the other one, it's right over there, right? That type of thing. I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. I think there is a bit of a, I think there's a bit of a polarizing opinion on that. I, I, I'm not saying that the community is, you know, I'm not saying that that's coming from the community. I'm just saying I can understand a, a polarizing perception of that because on one hand, some people like the exploration aspect of that, right? Having to find the boxes without having in-game clues handhold you, right? I know there's a group that, would prefer not to have that. And then there's the groups that are like, hey, please, please give me a marker, right? I can understand both sides. Yeah, so, I mean, there's more and you could read it on the website. It's under the patch notes. One of the patch notes, there's a thousand patch notes in there. <laughs> so um, it's for patch version 885-4374. But there's a lot of great things coming to Siege of Orson, and I think it's a wonderful addition, and I can't wait to play it in the live build. Okay. So that's it for the Siege of Orson. I think we can segue now into our final segment, which is the IAE preparation and details. We're going to kind of touch on this briefly because I've used a lot of time talking about the other two uh, topics there. but. Is not really much here anyway. We do have the free fly. I do want to mention the free fly because they do this every year, of course. But if you're new to the game or if you're one that just doesn't have a lot of ships or maybe you just want to see or experience the ships before you dive in, this is a great opportunity to do that because just about every ship is flyable for free during this event. So if you haven't logged in in a while or if you're new, you know, maybe you're on the sidelines trying to decide if you want to play Star Citizen at all. This would be a great time to give it a shot because you can literally play the game for free. I believe it comes with the... Let me see. Does it give you... Yeah, exactly. You don't have to pay a single cent. A single cent. If you don't have an account today, that's fine. Right, because if you if you want to play the game right now, you have to pay at least for a game package, which can be as cheap as forty five dollars, I believe. But for this free fly event, it's one hundred percent free, and that includes being able to play the game. So, once the free fly starts, which is on the seventeenth of November, sign up, sign into the game. Use my referral code, by the way, because you'll get some free UEC when the game finally releases. And I get the same, I get a benefit of um, just referral bonuses. So definitely check that out. Um, you can get my, I'll probably add that to the description of all the podcast locations where you can listen and watch this. Use the free fly code. Um, I'm sorry, use the, um, my code. But jump into the game. You don't have to spend a dime. Jump into the game. See how it is for yourself. But with that said, I'm curious, what are your plans for IAE? Do you plan to have any or to make any fleet updates? Are you downsizing? Are you upsizing? What are your plans? I'm very curious. 
And I'm also going to have another podcast. I'm going to be spitting these out quickly and then, you know, see how the schedule plays out as time goes on. So I'm going to save the last two bullet points I have for their own podcast, or maybe we're going to combine these last two, because I think we can talk a lot about these last two points. And that's going to be LTI, which is lifetime insurance versus the other ones. And then the leaked ships. I think I do want to go into some of these leaked leaked details. There was a commenter who shared that he would be interested. And I actually wanted to talk about them. So I think I'm going to do that for the very next episode, which I'm probably going to record very, 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 very soon, hopefully before the 17th, so that we can speculate together based on the information that we do have and then kind of go from there. But again, it's been good to talk. Good to talk to you about Star Citizen. I, I love this game. And I think there's so much to discuss about it. So definitely give me your feedback. Let me know how you feel. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're interested in. Let me know what you're not interested in, right? Is there any hot topics that you want to discuss or get my take on? And throughout all these podcasts, I want to make sure that I continually introduce myself so that you get to know, get to know who you're listening to. And so we'll take some time to do that as well. But thank you all for listening in. Thank you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day, whether that's morning, afternoon, or evening. Happy gaming to you. Okay. And I'll see you in the next video.